Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. As always, I am your host. Thank you so much for tuning in. I have a podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen. Thank you so much. We got the NFL guys in, PPR. You know how it is. We got another week to recap. Another week of incredible football. Crazy finishes. I mean, to even decide what was crazier, the end of the 1 o'clock slate or the end of the Sunday night game, I don't know if we can even do it, but it was insane. Let's not waste some more time, and let's get the guys right in here. Patty Boyle, what's up, dude? What's up, baby? What a wild week of football it was. I know we're going to get into it, but Thursday night, I said take the Giants to cover, but brutal, brutal loss from the G-Men. Any hopes, I think, of the NFC East, still a possibility, but that was a huge hit to the G-Men. Unreal. The Giants had it in their hands, and as Danny Jones fell down, so did their hopes and dreams. Rocco Del Puri also here. What's up, dude? PD, Sunday night football. was Finally, the game we've been waiting for. Oh, my god! NFC West battle. The effort tonight by the three of us better be just as good as DK Metcalf <laughs> chasing down Buda Baker on the interception. Tough night for Russell Wilson. Good night for Kyler Murray. It's going to be an exciting finish to this NFC West. Can't wait for that and can't wait for the show. Absolutely. Let's get it on. And how vindicated should we all feel? And a shout out to Mule. He'll be back next week, uh, you know, post Tua's debut. That's not the only reason he'll be back. He's, you know, just couldn't be on tonight. But how vindicated should we feel after doing a whole segment dedicated to the NFC West last week? We did a whole segment dedicated. We said the Seahawks are top tier, obviously, right? But who's the second best team? And there's true debates to be had about the Cardinals who just showed out Sunday night. The 49ers who put a hurt in on the Patriots and now the Rams, you know, first half as we record right now against the Bears, but they're up and they're a team that no one is going to take lightly ever with the talent and coaching that they have. I mean, so I think we should feel vindicated. You guys watching that Cardinals game, obviously you guys both picked them as the second best team in the NFC West. They beat the team we had ranked number one. You know, how much of that is game game circumstance, just craziness Sunday night? Is there a little bit of caution now on the Seahawks? I don't know. I don't even know where to start. The floor is yours, Patty Boyle. The Cardinals-Seahawks game was outrageous. What? Where did your mind go as you watched this ridiculous game? Uh, there was a, a ton, a ton of places that my mind was going. Uh, but first, you know, let's talk about the finish, obviously. Or let's talk about first maybe the play of the year. DK Metcalf chasing down Buda Baker, which would have been a, what, a 98-yard pick six. Buda Baker, who is now basically the face of this revamped Arizona Cardinals defense. And DK Metcalf runs 22 and a half miles an hour to chase him down. And and, and ultimately, uh, Arizona then went for it on fourth and goal, and they didn't score. So that was a gigantic part in that game. Arizona probably could have won that game in regulation uh, rather than having to do it in overtime. But you could see as the game went on, the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is their most glaring issue, uh, reared its ugly head again. Kyler Murray and Chase Edmonds running all over the place on them. And by the time the game was coming to a close, Arizona, you think with two and a half minutes left, you know, hey, it was a great effort, but, you know, Seattle's going to walk out of here with a 10 or a seven-point win. 
No, Arizona gets the, the field goal. Or they get the touchdown. They get the stop. Then they tie the game on the last play field goal. And, uh, and then they go to OT, and you're still thinking, all right, this is still Seattle's game to lose. Both teams trade possessions, and you're thinking, all right, now Seattle just needs a field goal. And then even then, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, pulls off one of the most genius moves I've seen all week. He shows the exact same look three plays in a row, packs the box, looks like he's bringing heat with man coverage. It doesn't work the first two times. Wilson gets pressured. Then on the long third down, if Seattle's able to pick up, you know, maybe even only 10 yards, they can maybe try a long field goal to win it. And they showed the same look, and Wilson drops back immediately thinking he's going to have a, a chance to beat the man coverage. And what does Vance Joseph do? He shows the bluff on the third time, stacks the box, then the linebackers drop back. And a guy that I thought the Giants should have drafted, Isaiah Simmons, makes a absurdly athletic play. He sprints back, immediately telegraphs the pass, picks it off, and then Kyler Murray and the Cardinals win the game on an on a epic field goal. But not before there was some late head coaching blunders by – Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he, first of all, he iced him when they try to kick the field goal to win it for the first time by, cause he didn't, for whatever reason, a bad play call. Then they let the clock go all the way down. And then after that, uh, the chance to win it again on a short third down to just maybe pick up a couple of yards before the last play of the game. And he, and he runs up a play where almost every receiver on the field is running straight down the field. So Cliff Kingsbury you know, kind of still in that, in that moment, you saw the panic and he almost, uh, you know, coached them right out of a win. But uh, unbelievable game, absurdly entertaining. You saw Kyler Murray, you saw Russell Wilson, two of the most exciting quarterbacks in the league. And, and ultimately, Pete, we found out again just how much parity there is in the NFL. A team that we thought wouldn't lose. We thought Seattle had a chance to keep running off their unbeaten streak. And it was the Arizona Cardinals who took them down. So overall, great game. Loved it. And I'm sure, Rock, and, like, I, I'm thinking of you when I'm watching this game, right? You must watch this Cardinals defense now for the past two weeks, and we spoke about it on this pod uh, when they, you know, shellacked the Cowboys. Now they're flying around doing incredible stuff against the Seahawks, uh, an awesome offense. And even though, you know, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson, like, really gave them the business, right? You know, Tyler Lockett had 15 catches for 203 touchdowns. You're watching this team, this Cardinals team, find this new identity. And there's different types of good defenses, right? There's good defenses who really just, you know, minimize yardage and make it hard to pick up first downs. And then there's defenses with big playability. When you watch this Cardinals team, is, is there one person or one unit that excites you the most? I feel like I know the answer, but I just want to hear you talk about it, basically. Yeah, well, you know, Pat was saying it before. Their pressure package with... Uh, in the coaching world, we call that simulated pressures, Pat. They show they show that they're coming with a full house blitz or that same look where you cover the, the double A gap pressure where the center's got to pick a, a way to slide. And then they're running the, you know, they're running the stunt off of what pass protection that the center picks. And uh, he hit him with a great bluff. And I Isaiah Simmons, one of his only five five to six plays of the game was an impact play in the most crucial point of the game. Um, so the Cardinals are coaching it up. You hear more about the offense, but last night the defense had had a great play at the end of the game and throughout the game forced Russell Wilson into 
turnovers. And and that, at the end of the day, that's the name of the game. If you if you turn the ball over, you're not going to win. So it's all about the ball. We say find the ball, see the ball, get the ball. So who do we like on the Cardinals defense? Um, you know, I, I love Pat Peterson. I love Buda Baker. The secondary sexy. They get after it. They could play man coverage. They could drop into a zone and they could they could run to the football. But last night was a little bit of scheme, Pete. So you're almost saying, you know, yeah, the units are nice. The DBs are nice. They got some good pressure guys up front. But you're just more impressed with how they're setting up their defense and where they're putting these people to put in uh, positions of success, right? But I think Pat at one point was just following DK Metcalf around around the field. And then that allows, you know, I think Byron Murphy is his name, who Mule shouted out last week to make some incredible plays. Buda Baker, bro, flies oh. around the field. He's in the backfield. He's making plays. He's not one of those, you know, Cam Chancellor-sized safeties. He's more of a regular-sized safety, but he reminds me a lot of Tyron Matthew where you're just watching the game and it's like, oh, my God, this guy's in every play. Somehow, some way, whether it's a, a run play in the black, uh, backfield that he's getting in somehow, or he's actually blitzing the quarterback, he's making it harder on Russell Wilson, or he's making interceptions or uh, pressuring pass catchers over here. He's everywhere, and he, he's now burst on the scene as a guy who's no joke in this league as a secondary player. They have what we would call modern-day hybrids. Can drop, can cover, can run, can tackle, can rush. Kind of like you and Pat in baseball. Oh, Five-tool yeah. <laughs> players. That's what we do. I definitely, so, I definitely lack the speed tool, but <laughs> we we're, that's negotiable, Pat. Come on, but uh, you know, there's a reason Vance Joseph was a head coach in the NFL for you know, as the NFL stands for it, not for long, but he was a head coach. He could coach it up on defense. Can he be uh, the face of an organization? Probably not. But you're asking a guy stop this offense. This is what they do good, and. Uh, they had the personnel. It's a great matchup for them. The NFL is a matchup league. And, so. and how many times have we seen this now in the NFL? I'm glad you brought that point up where there's guys who are just coordinators, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a guy who's an incredible coordinator. I, I think there's maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, Todd Bowles sadness now for Jets fans. It's like, oh, you know, he's doing all these great things. It's like, no, no, no. He's always been good at defense. He's always done this very well. I still don't know if that, that many Jets fans are going to say, oh, no, we're hiring B to be our head coach again tomorrow. Like, that's not how oh, they thinking. would. I think they would just they based, would. based they off would of Adam. <laughs> based off of Adam Gase, definitely, yes. But, like, if there's an open market, you know, you maybe you give him another. You're not going to bring him back because no, you no, don't really okay, feel. Open market, no, but it, I would do it straight up right now. Oh, for sure. You would take it. But, you know, Pat Shermer, he probably wasn't a good head coach figure for the Giants. He's back in an offensive coordinator position. He might be able to do some things. Uh, yeah. And who's the guy who, oh, man, he was the Rams defensive coordinator when McVay first started. What's the older guy? Wade Phillips. Wade Come Phillips. On. Exactly. There you go. I don't know why it slipped my head. He was a head coach. It was like, okay, like, I don't know if there's a lot of juice here. He comes no back way. to be a no defensive juice. quarterback, uh, defensive coordinator. It's like, oh, my God, the Rams defense is crazy. Wade Phillips, the man, the myth, the legend. How you doing? And, and it's really, it's a great call by you because Vance Joseph focusing in on what he's good at, and a unit. Oh, he was the, coaching it up. He bro. Was, he, and the Cardinals' defense is not a defense we looked at before the year and said this is going to be some game breakers. And now, they're everywhere. I see. I think now. I think they'd struggle versus a team that's going to come and pound you. 
you know, like like the Ravens, like like the like the Steelers, like the uh, the Niners, like the Browns, hey, like Patty Boyle's rounds. Like we're gonna come smash them out, but you know, fortunately for them, they outside of the, well, I shouldn't say that 49ers and Rams like to pound it, but the AFC's got more pounders, Titans than than the NFC does. NFC, I think, is better quarterback play right now. It's really interesting, and I want to take that conversation to where you just let it, uh, Rocco, with the other teams, right? So we said the Rams are playing right now, but we saw the 49ers lay a smackdown. Let's wrap up this whole NFC West conversation that we started last week saying how they are, you know, the best division in football. I think we all still feel confidently in that. You know, looking at the Cardinals, looking at the Niners, and the Seahawks for that matter, is there a path for one of these other teams to overtake the Seahawks? I know we all said last week that the Seahawks were first, then everybody else will have the conversation. Can we today have that conversation after seeing the liability the Seahawks' defense could be if, God forbid, Russell Wilson isn't, you know, absolutely perfect every week, which he is a lot. You know what I mean? Patty Boyle, what do you think? Yeah, you're asking for another team within the NFC that could... No, no, I'm talking about the NFC West, just based off our conversations last week. Yeah, is is the Cardinals, Niners, or Rams in position to overtake the Seahawks as the best team? absolutely, yeah. I think the Cardinals have a real good shot to do it. Um, You know, I... I, I think I, I talked some smack about the Rams last week saying how you kind of don't know what you're going to get from them, especially on in primetime games. And tonight was a, a great chance for them to prove it. And as we're recording, they're up 10-3 at half. It's, it's looking like they could win that game. Uh, but, you know, either way, you know, obviously the 49ers, I think they still have – they still sustain too many major injuries to their big players like Bosa, like Sherman, um, to the point and their and their pass rushers to the point where their defense is not going to be an elite defense like it was last year if all those guys are healthy i'm sure we're having a much different conversation but you look at this cardinals team that has now revamped the defense we've seen buda baker become a star we know the talent patrick peterson has the linebackers like Kennard and like these other guys who are uh you know turning this arizona defense into a respectable one and vance joseph's you know looks like a great defensive coordinator and then, you know, we talk about, see, uh, you know, the offense. They, they, the move to add DeAndre Hopkins obviously has already worked tenfold. You add him along the vet, Larry Fitzgerald. They've got a speed burner in Christian Kirk. The two-back system uh, it has worked out well, and Kyler Murray is turning into a star before our eyes. So I really think Arizona uh, could very well be the best team in the NFC West in another few weeks. There you go. And, I mean, I, I said Niners last week, so I, I got to say, I said, you know what? And, Pat, yourself, to throw you under the bus a little bit here, you were saying how Belichick off a loss is a guy you can trust and this and that. I said the Niners had to show up and, and put a hurt on the Patriots, and they did exactly that and more. You were right, Petey. And, and you, you know right. what? That was, that was embarrassing. It comes down to Shanahan again. It never seems like Jimmy G's out of his comfort zone because he's not asking him to do too much. He's playing to his strengths. And it's funny watching a uh, team like the Lions with Matt Stafford, who by all metrics and all accounts is way more talented than Jimmy G, right? You know, but the Lions are playing these ridiculous games where it's close and it's down to the last second. They're either going to blow it or they come back and win. And it's not sustainable. It's, you know, you're ripping your hair out if you're a fan. When you watch this Niners team, there's so much consistency. There's so much effort. There's uh, incredible schematics from the run game standpoint and then to the Jimmy G standpoint. I, I don't think Jimmy G's nearly as talented as, as half the quarterbacks in the league or t- top 10 quarterbacks in the league, and yet somehow, some way, they are crushing teams. They're crushing teams. They're not just like 
squeaking out three-point wins, seven-point wins. They're consistently going back to last year, demolishing teams with their physical play and their playmakers getting the ball in space and putting a hurt on them. So we'll see what happens there. And uh, Rock, I, I don't know if you have anything to add on the NFC West. Is it time to move on to a, a game that you I mentioned? Do. I love the NFC West. We love team. it. This is the yeah. NFC West podcast right here. <laughs> but let, let's, uh, you know, I'll tell you the NFC West. It's going to come down to your division record, and that's really so. You know, after tonight, um, the Arizona's two and zero in in the division, and uh, you know we we were we were hot on Arizona until they shit the bed versus the Lions, who are three and three right now. They they're sneaky. They're they're in the mix. Don't like, sleep you. I would have thought they were they were one and five, you know, one and six at this time, minus the bye. But um, I, I think um, I think the Jets could be the spoilers here, friends. Be maybe maybe upset the Rams or the Seahawks and uh, <laughs> let Arizona take over the division. Oh my God! Unless Russell yeah. Wilson decides to play lefty all game, I don't think the Jets stand much of a chance. <laughs> no way, <laughs> and no even way. still, to be honest, I don't know about that. Uh, it, it's a division we'll talk about. It has the uh, still MVP front runner in Russell Wilson, a bunch of great teams, great talent. We'll be talking about them. As, as you now know, Subway Sports Talk is a the official podcast of the NFC West. But let's move on. You know, last week we talked about not only the NFC West, but the NFC East a bit and the Eagles-Giants game that was coming up. And I don't know, I don't know if we want to sit here and even talk about that game. It felt like it was over a week ago because it was Thursday night. Daniel Jones fell running into the end zone. Uh, we get it. You know, it happens. What are you going to do? The Eagles are now in a position to, uh, you know, take take control, right? If they beat the Cowboys this upcoming week, but we'll do a quick minute on them later. I do now want to move our attention to the AFC. Uh, we didn't focus on them as much last week. We also talked about the Packers last week and the Bucks. Uh, I think it's time to try to figure out what the hell is going on in the AFC because it's pretty easy to say the NFC is deeper right now, but the top tier talent in the AFC is still very much there. We're talking teams like the Chiefs, the Ravens, the Steelers and Titans who just played a great game. And then, of course, the Browns and the Bills probably rounding out that upper echelon, just maybe a tier below, but there's a bunch of playoff teams this year, one extra than normal. So why don't we do this? First and foremost, is there one team that you guys look at in the AFC and say it's their conference to lose or they're in the best position? Because currently the Steelers are the only ones left undefeated. So Patty Boyle, AFC, best team in the divi- or the conference, where does your mind go? Uh, until proven otherwise, the best team in the AFC is the best team in the NFL, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, we saw them lose, you know, the one game this year uh, in kind of in, in shocking fashion against Oakland, in which there were some serious questions that the secondary had to answer, you know, when they were burned numerous times by Carr and, and guys like Ruggs and Aguilar. Uh, but, you know, just like any other good team has done, they have since responded. You know, they're 6-1. and one. They've still got the most uh, elite dynamic offense in my opinion i obviously clyde edwards elair has been a yet another solid draft pick for them and you know aside from uh, one of the games against the chargers where they had to squeak out a win they've pretty much handedly won every game they've won this year and that is not something you can say about most nfl teams i mean you look they they beat the texans by two touchdowns we, we raved all about how good the chiefs were yet again when they clobbered the ravens on monday night football uh, they were, even though it wasn't all that impressive, they still beat a beleaguered Patriots team um, by 16. 
They handled the Bills, and then they just destroyed the Broncos in the snow in Denver, where you know everybody's asking, "Oh, can Mahomes and this team play in the, in the bad in the poor conditions?" Look, they're, they're still the best team in the AFC. They're still the best team in the NFL. Obviously, much like the Seahawks, their defense still needs some work. But again, until I, I see otherwise, and I'm probably going to have to see them get beat in the postseason, it's still the Chiefs for me. But I will say the Pittsburgh Steelers are not far off. That is a team I raved about. Even after Monday night football and week one against the Giants, I said, don't let how we think of the Giants fool you about thinking what the Steelers team is. They've got an elite front seven. They've got veterans all over the place. Obviously, Big Ben coming back is huge. Tomlin's an excellent head coach. And uh, we could be looking at Pittsburgh, Kansas City in the AFC title game. I don't think anybody would be upset about that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Pat. Uh, Pittsburgh's playing with a little bit of an edge right now. Um, and we we talked about this in weeks prior that they competed last year with Duck Hodges as the QB. And now Big Ben comes back with his rifle and he's got his receivers. But that defensive front is feared right now in the NFL. Um, saw a six stat on Twitter that five out of their seven front uh, front seven guys are winning over 70% of their their rush rates. So That's in crazy. front, in yeah. So, and the worst is Bud Dupree. And, and he's all over the field. Right. <laughs> and we know that from the Giant game. But um, the uh, the thing with them is, you know, you're going to play the – the hot Browns and you're going to play the Ravens. So what are you going to do in those four games? If, if you're two and two, three and one, you're going to, you're going to get a, a, a favorable playoff matchup and favorable. We're talking bills, another, possibly another AFC North team again. So the AFC is wide open outside of Patty's pick, the chiefs. Yeah. So I think there's a, a place to start here and we touched on two to the three. It's, Literally, it's the Chiefs and Pat. I couldn't agree with you more. You said it perfectly. I think there's some buzz going on with the Steelers right now about them being perhaps the best team. We're just not there yet, right? And Pat, you said it perfectly. Like, it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs NFL, let alone AFC. It's the Chiefs NFL until Patrick Mahomes is either not the quarterback or they get beat in the playoffs because they earn that respect, I think, for everybody. Even though they're a one-time Super Bowl champ, this iteration of the Chiefs, they feel like they've been running this league for years already. That's how good and impactful the Andy Reid-Mahomes duo has been in just two seasons, right? Two seasons? Three seasons? What am I counting here? Two? Yeah. Mahomes so, is in third. Yeah. yeah, this is third season of starter. So they've been that good in the AFC, in the NFL. It's their conference. It's their league to lose. The one team we have not mentioned yet who is very rightfully belonging in that top three is the Ravens. And I know we're feeling all a little bit lukewarm on them right now, but... They're still five and one, and they're still going to be at the end of the year, uh, you know, twelve win team, perhaps a thirteen win team, because they're that consistently good running the football, playing defense, playing hard, and when you have Lamar Jackson, who again everybody's feeling lukewarm about right now, with uh, his numbers aren't like they were last year. What he did last year at his MVP season was not sustainable, to be quite honest, and I don't think it's how he wants to win games every single week. So there's going to be growth, there's going to be trial and error, but we're still going to have to give the Ravens the benefit of the doubt. And that leaves us with a top three, Chiefs, Ravens, Steelers. I look at the AFC and I think about it after that, 
and, and I start to get, you know, all, all mucky over here. I'm looking at the Bills, the Titans, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Browns. It starts to get ugly. But if there is a team on the outside looking in from that top three to challenge any of those or to supplant themselves as a true top four, is it the Titans or do the Browns have a shot? I don't know, Pat, if you want to jump in first because the Browns are your team. But I'm thinking like this is a three-headed monster in the AFC because even though I love the Titans and what they're doing, I can't put them in that top tier. Look, I got to be realistic. As much as I'd love to say, look, I think my Brownies have a shot to be the dark horse. I, I need to see Baker Mayfield consistently get to the next level. Um, even aside from all the talks I've had about him, you know, being a game manager with how this offense is designed, they've got a, in my opinion, top five offensive line in the NFL. The run game with two stud running backs has shown that. Obviously, they need to get Chubb healthy, but Kareem Hunt's doing it by himself. Um, I wouldn't say by himself. But, you know, Kareem Hunt is carrying the load for uh, the, the run game. Don't sleep uh, on Dernis, bro. Exactly. Yeah, OBJ just tore his ACL. So he's out for the year. But Pete, you and me and Rock were kind of talking about it beforehand. There, as, as corny as it is, it's true. There's a lot of, I think, media pressure that falls on Baker Mayfield every week that he has to get OBJ the ball. And, you know, when Beckham's going up against the best cornerback on the other side of the, of the ball every week, that's not an easy thing to do. And he hasn't been putting up the big numbers. And now he's out for the year. Uh, do I think that's going to be easier for Mayfield now? Not necessarily. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, the, the Browns just aren't there yet, in my opinion. To, to make a long story short, what I wanted to move on to is that, yeah, Tennessee, obviously, I think, is the next best in the AFC behind Pittsburgh and Kansas City. They've obviously showed it. One loss, and it was to Pittsburgh. The defense has been excellent. They're a top 10 defense. Vrabel, I can, Rock, you and I can't rave enough about him as a head coach. Tannehill has shown that he consistently can be a good quarterback that can beat you when they need him to. And obviously, they've got the best running back in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, Tennessee is, is not far behind. And, you know, you, you take a key injury to either Pittsburgh or Kansas City, and that levels the playing field even more. Pat, uh, the Browns uh, are exciting right now. And I think you're right. I think the not having the pressure of Odell Beckham these next, you know, 10 weeks is going to really allow Baker Mayfield to get into his own, throw the ball down the field to the tight ends, to the running backs. Jarvis Landry is going to have a bigger workload. Never wish injury on anyone, but um, I know Pete said it before, and it was great. It was right. The gravity of just Odell Beckham, just him being there, whether happy, whether not, like he demands that he's in the room and that takes away. This is a, don't never forget. This is a team sport. So they're feeling hot. Um, but I, I, I'm going to go Ravens here. And it's, it'll be interesting. We'll know about the Ravens about the time the turkey comes out. Actually, the <laughs> night of the turkey, when they play the Steelers for the second time in the month of November. Oh, do they have Steelers-Ravens on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Oh, what a day. Yeah, what you'll be day. eating your candid yams. and, and <laughs> Yeah, Pat will be having a gallon of Cabernet after the, uh, oh, after the turkey yeah. leg. Oh, sounds fantastic. That's oh, a good God. game, finally. Well, it's great. Yeah. It's great um, that we have Steelers-Ravens this week, right? And I know people who I heard, I was listening specifically to Bill Simmons with Cousin Sally do their thing every Monday morning or whatever, Sunday night. And uh, they were like, oh, I actually... You know, I like the Steelers better than the Ravens right now. I have them as the top team in the AFC North. 
Grant that being said, granted, the Ravens could easily beat the Steelers this week. And I know the Steelers have been incredible at stopping the run. You know, Henry had a couple moments and all, but, you know, all in all, the, the Steelers are a fantastic run defense. Run defense versus run defense, a, Ra- a Ravens run offense, I should say, is a completely different game because you don't just have to stop Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, the Gus bus. You got to stop the most dynamic guy we've seen in the league uh, in, in quite some time in Lamar Jackson. So it's going to be a very interesting game. I do want to circle back to the Browns real quick, though, because I need to make this point, and it's my fault that I didn't kind of like intro this first because when a marquee player in this league we all love so much goes down, like Odell Beckham Jr., you know, he deserves a little bit of of a shout and a little bit of love uh, because it's terrible to see something like that happen. And to just think about this league right now, you know, we talked about the Niners and Bosa going down, uh, one of their other top defensive linemen going down. Uh, Mostert's on the IR, Eckler's on the IR, McCaffrey's on the IR, uh, Barkley's on, on a torn ACL now, now Odell Beckham Jr. It's tough. It, you hate to see it. And it's r- even rougher for me because despite the lack of production and the clear numbers that may go in Baker's favor in this situation now with Odell Beckham being out, Odell seemed happy. He seemed matured. Yeah, he's a little frustrated if they lose, but that's because he's a winner. That's not him being an individual uh, you know, diva, if you will. I don't even like to use that word because it was so divisive here in New York with him. He's a guy who loves to win, who loves to compete. And I think now more than ever, he was okay with getting four catches if the team won. And it's almost not even his fault. It just is the way it is that Baker feels pressure. And you see it at every level, college to high school to Pop Warner. If there's a dude who's a running back or receiver, that quarterback feels obligated to get them theirs, right? So we'll see if the numbers don't lie or if they're going to lie and if Baker and the Browns uh, continue to roll and Baker has good numbers without Odell, even though it pains fans of Odell's to say it, and I'm sure it pains Browns fans to say it, but it very well could be true. But always shout-outs to Odell because that injury just sucks, man. It sucks. Over and over again, ACLs ruin seasons. It really does. Um how is Kareem Hunt on the health front? I know he was banged up a couple weeks ago, Pat. Is he, is he like full back 100%? Yeah, no, he's good to go. Nick Chubb is the one who's uh I know Chubb's out. out, but I know Hunt's been playing like banged up. Um, Yeah, he's no, I think good. he's been, I think he's, I don't think his, uh, you know, really his production has been limited at all. I mean, I'm looking at his uh, snaps by game here and his carries. And yeah, I mean, he's continued to have double digit carries every single game and he just had 18 carries for 76 yards and caught three passes as well on Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, he is a, doing fine. a vital part of their offense, and he's going to continue to be until they can get Chubb back. I will say this, though, to stay on the Browns for a second. I know we're kind of talking about them as a, as a possible team to consider in this in this AFC, you know, top-ish tier or top two tiers. Shouldn't they have beaten the Bengals a little better, though? I know Joe. I know Joey covers. Joe, Joe Burrow is a guy who has been keeping this team alive every single week despite him getting demolished and he got sacked a bunch again by the Browns but that game went down to the wire they could have should have would have won easier if their defensive back didn't drop a a gimme interception they could have should have would have lost if um they didn't make a crazy comeback right so yeah they could have Pete and you said Joey covers that's exactly what he is dude I mean it was they you know they kind of dominated the first meeting and only won by five this one was much more you know equal and they won it by three um, but dude, you know, I say it all the time. The NFL has so much parity. I really think this Bengals team is in a much different place than they were last year, even with a one, five and one record. 
two kind of narrow losses to a Browns team that they're obviously not as good as. Uh, it would have been shocking if the Browns lost either one of them. Um, you know, they got crushed by the Ravens one time, but then a four-point loss against the Colts and a three-point loss against the Chargers, and they tied the Eagles. Uh, this is another team. I think we can kind of compare them to the Giants, who they're competing the hell out of at uh, it every week. Uh, they could easily have three wins, um, and I think they're in a, in, a, in a right place in terms of their rebuild. But, yeah. That's it. I mean, the, don't don't count out Cincinnati. That's not a team there. I mean, you look against every week and think, oh, this team's going to get crushed again. Right. Don't count them out to cover. Don't count them out to be close. But they're not going to win a lot of games, to be honest. But I totally feel you. And it brings me to my next topic of conversation here because we did. You know, we've been talking about the AFC. We're talking about the good teams. Uh, we haven't mentioned the Bills yet. Obviously, they've been a little lackluster uh, over the past couple weeks. But they did obviously get the Jets this week, so they didn't even have to score a touchdown to win by eight. But <laughs> let's talk about a couple other teams here. And these are more AFC sleeper range teams. And Joe Burrow, you know, helps spark the conversation because there's actually another team that's looking real interesting in the AFC. And I want to compare them to a team that's, uh, you know, similar in some ways, but there's one specific thing that's very different. And that's the Indianapolis Colts. So two lower tier, but possible sleeper teams in the AFC. I look at the Chargers and the Colts. The Chargers have a nice defense. They got decent skill players. If if Eckler comes back healthy soon, like, you know, the word is he's coming back later than sooner, according, according to Anthony Lynn, but they still got some talent, and Herbert's been incredible, whereas the Colts have a real solid defense. They have a good O-line, but Phil Rivers doesn't seem to have all the juice right now. When you look at those two teams in the sleeper range of the AFC, or if there's another one in your head right now, I don't know, maybe the Dolphins with Tua, is there an edge that you kind of give to this young quarterback and Herbert or Tua who is more dynamic or does old man Rivers and this Colts team who's a little more solid throughout, you know, give you more confidence? Rocco, what do you think? Yeah, so those are the last three teams really fighting for that seventh spot. Um, and it's interesting. I, I really like Justin Herbert. Um, he came on yesterday in the end of the game, uh, I'm excited to see Tua in a full game. Uh, Rivers is, you know, hot and cold, yes and no, up and down, in and out. So um, I think I think the Chargers are a solid team, but they will not overcome the Colts in the seventh spot. So where we like Justin Herbert, we like the Colts more to be that sleeper team. Yeah, and I didn't I didn't throw the Raiders in there. I guess maybe I could have. They obviously didn't look too hot this past week, but in in uh, weeks past they put together a good performance. Obviously they beat the Chiefs, uh, and they're a team that was. Des- I think they had some COVID issues this past week, right? Did they have their all their guys? Did they play without some linemen? Is that what happened? They they had all five linemen on the COVID list, but four of them played. They only missed their starting right tackle um, and then their starting safety, Jonathan Abrams. Right. And, and you know, Abrams a, a game breaker a little bit. And then uh, was it Trent Brown who missed? He's obviously a, a great player. So, yep. you know, probably wrong to not mention the Raiders there, but they're, they're a team more like the Colts where you look at them and you say, yeah, you know, they're, they're solid. Like they're more likely to get to eight, nine wins than maybe the Chargers and Dolphins are. But, you know, you don't really feel too frisky about the Raiders or the Colts. Uh, but I think, Rock, I think you're right. The Colts end up with a better record. They end up being a little more dangerous. But from an excitement standpoint and from a dynamic standpoint, there's really no way to look at the Colts or Raiders in the same ilk as what Herbert's been able to do early. And we'll see what Tua can do now, right? There's just there's a, a thing in this league, and it's got to be frustrating for Giants fans and Jets fans watching Darnold and Jones consistently struggle and turn the ball over like crazy. 
you watch Justin Herbert, who in, in all theories and all talking about him with the draft and stuff, he wasn't fully ready. He didn't play in a pro-style offense. Now he's in the in the league. He's, he's starting after a couple weeks and, and a shot to Tyrod Taylor's lungs. Like, he's looking like a stud. Justin Herbert's looking like an absolute stud. Is it possibly some early, Not I don't want to say luck, that's not the right word, but is it possibly a little bit of early read where other teams still don't have a lot of tape, they're not fully expecting um, the dynamicism, I don't know if that's a word, the dynamicness of Herbert? Uh, Pat, what do you think? Do you think there's a, a correction coming for Herbert where no. he starts to struggle? you think he's the real freaking deal? No, I think he's a real deal, and i just like to point out because I'd like to uh, also die on the hill that I'm standing on, and that is I thought Justin Herbert should have been drafted before Tua Tungavailoa. I think Justin Herbert has the higher ceiling. I think he's got the better tools. I mean, he's gigantic. You know, he's six foot, what, six foot six, 235 pounds. And the guy can run a 40 yard dash uh, equivalent to that of some of the faster quarterbacks in the league, a la Daniel Jones, who's obviously one of the fastest players in the league because he runs 21 miles an hour. You'll get love on that take, you know, sooner or later. Dude, sooner or later, people (laughs) are going to realize I haven't gotten a lot of love on those tweets comparing. Daniel Jones to being almost as fast as Tyree kill because the fastest they've gotten Tyree kill clocked at is barely faster than Daniel Jones. Like you can't, those are the numbers. That's like saying a BMW driving 60 miles an hour is way faster than a Mercedes driving 59 miles an hour. But anyway, to get back on track. So yeah, Justin <laughs> Herbert, I've been in on this guy since the get go and he's showing that he's got a huge arm. He can put touch on the ball. And that's now in the last three weeks, he's got 10 touchdowns, and one interception, and a rating of over 120 on average in the last three games. And he's not doing it against scrub defenses. He's doing it, he did it against Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and Jacksonville. Now, granted, we know what Jacksonville is, but the kid's a real deal. I don't see really a correction coming. Um, and I think if the Chargers can get Austin Eckler healthy, that gives him another weapon to work with. Um, and if they, they're a little banged up on the offensive line as well. Guys like Brian Balaga, who is famous for the – Brian Balaga, Iowa, all those videos of that. So I think he can only even get better, Pete. And and what's cool about Herbert, too, I'm trying to remember the the order, but he got in a couple weeks in a row. He played against the Bucs and Tom Brady. He played against uh, Mahomes. He played. He played against one other. I'm. I'm pulling up their schedule now, so I don't want to boof, and, and boost this completely. Yeah, he got back to back to back weeks, or not back to back. He got the Chiefs first game. Then he got the Panthers, which they lost, but the Panthers are a good team, which we didn't know at the time. Uh, then he got the Bucks and the Saints, and he was four. He was zero four in his first four starts, but it was like, holy crap! No, this guy's doing something. He, he's not, you know, showing up to just be a, a rookie quarterback getting his reps in. He's showing up to win games and keeping them in him. So now the Chargers coming up. They have the Broncos, they have the Raiders, and if they can beat that, if they can win the next two games, we're now looking at the Chargers as a team that is back to 500. They're four and four. Uh, they now have a win over the Raiders in division. They played the Chiefs tough, and now we can actually have a real conversation about the Chargers versus you know the Colts or the Browns in this AFC, this crazy AFC that we're going to be running into with you know not quite as much parity as the NFC right now, but with some teams that we're going to be very interested in. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do this without Mule, but can we do a quick take? How does Tua's debut look in your guys' eyes? Uh, we got Dolphins versus um, – who do we got the Dol- Dolphins versus um, – I'm, I'm not prepared here, clearly. Taking on the Rams. The Dolphins-Rams, right. It, which is a tough week one uh, for Tua to play against Aaron Donald and that yeah, defense. But how, how do we see him faring? 
you're gonna you're gonna find out real quick um when that front four is right in your grill i'm really interested to see i i, I wasn't a big tour guy uh at his alabama days and into the draft i i back when i thought donald was the right guy i said all right they got two we got donald but i want to see him throw from the right hash to the left outside hash i want to see if he could really throw outside the numbers i'm interested to see because right now sam donald can he made one good throw yesterday in regression but um you'll find out right you know right away i want to see the ball pop off his hand yeah and in that uh limited you know, one series he had when he spelled Ryan Fitzpatrick before we knew it was the end of Fitzpatrick as a starter for the Dolphins, you know, didn't exactly look super smooth on uh, on his first pass attempts. But, you know, jitters, end of the game, he's not loose, all this stuff, whatever. But there's obviously a, a ceiling for Tua to reach, and we'll see if it happens week one versus the Rams. Otherwise, they do run right into the Cardinals and in, into in a second week. And then they get the Chargers, who is a good defense with that that quarterback, James uh, Justin Herbert. I don't know why I, I want to call him James all the time. Is there a James Herbert? Do we know a James Herbert? Did I make that up? Jimmy, Hil- made it up. we had Jimmy Hilbert back in the day on our uh, high school team. Rock, maybe maybe that's where I'm thinking of. But yeah. uh, <laughs> oh, you don't want. I hope you're not thinking of that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Funny, <laughs> I don't even know where that came from in my head, but hey. Anyways, Justin Herbert, Tua, in a couple weeks, that'll be a matchup we'll definitely be keeping our but, eye on. But, Pete, you better believe that the Dolphins are preparing for Tua's first game like it's the Super Bowl. Two weeks to prepare. They knew they were facing the Rams. They're breaking them down. They're sitting there right now in the office. Brian Flores, B. Flo from Brooklyn, they're breaking down this film. They're going to have some answers. He's just see if he can make the big boy throws. And yeah, it's it such good NFL QB play right now. It's that. insane. It's insane. And a guy in Ryan Fitzpatrick who I think if you just look at the numbers, you're going to say, oh, Fitzpatrick's been a top 10, top 12 quarterback for the past year and a half. Like, how's he getting benched? But if you really watch those games, as Mule outlined last week, if you're a Dolphins fan, the, the confidence in Ryan Fitzpatrick is play to play. It's it's series to series, it's drive to drive. It's just like it's just like Nick Foles in a sense. Nick Foles isn't quite as flashy as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he can look like a different quarterback quarter to quarter. And Fitz is the same way. He'll throw you into a game, he'll shoot he'll shoot you out of a game. He's like Deion Waiters, he's like J.R. Smith. And, and it's tough to give a quarterback, you know, that comparison, but that's how it really feels when you watch Fitz. Right, you know he's going to throw for three hundred yards, but is he going to throw for three touchdowns in one pick or three touchdowns in three picks? Tua hopefully can minimize the mistakes and keep some of that big play mentality alive, uh, and we'll see how it goes. As you know, that long-awaited, you know, with the bye debut for Tua comes to fruition this weekend coming up. Uh, Subway Sports Talk, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Puri, I'm P Kennedy. Uh, we got another topic coming here right now, and I think this is going to be a fun one. We're going to start to do this. I think we've been we've been juggling with the ideas of, you know, do we talk about the Jets and Giants every week? Do we, you know, give 10 to 15 minutes to these two teams that combine for one win right now? The Giants could have, should have, would have won three games this season already, four games this season already. They only have one. They blew it against the Eagles again. The Jets, you know, they come out with a great series early. They do nothing for the rest of the game. This is what we're going to do. We're calling it the New York Minute. It makes sense. We're going to take a, a couple minutes here 
uh, for each of us, for me, for Pat, for Rock, just to, you know, lay out our thoughts, maybe vent a little bit, maybe just uh, go in our soapbox or talk about one thing we actually like about one of these teams, but it's called the New York Minute. That's what it's going to be. Patty Boyle, I want you to go first here. We're going to keep it quick hitting. What are your New York football thoughts in our first segment of New York Minute? Let's start with, um, you know, the dumpster fire that is New York Jets. They're one step closer to Trevor Lawrence. I think that's what everybody's waiting for at this point. You, there's no point to winning any games. As a fan, you have to root for 0-16 or you have to root for uh, having the number one pick, which you're probably going to fight it out um, with maybe, <laughs> maybe the Giants, maybe the Jaguars, and uh, potentially the Bengals, although I don't think. So if you're the Jets, you're one step closer to Trevor Lawrence. Dow Logan's nice job, had a nice offensive game plan for all of uh, 22 minutes, and then that fell out the door. Uh, Sam Darnold looked like, you know, he was maybe going to put the talks of Trevor Lawrence to bed in the first half when he started 10 of 11 for 110 yards. And then we saw Buffalo actually decide to show up in the second half, and all the magic that started with the Jets' 10-0 win uh, ended with 18 straight for Buffalo, who, I mean, come on, can't put the ball in the damn end zone against the Jets. So a little underwhelming performance by Buffalo. They get the job done, though. The Jets do cover. So if you uh, took the Jets to cover, congratulations. Um, and then the Giants just, you know, again, it, it does feel like a while ago, Pete, but just a brutal loss. Evan Engram, that's a game where I tweeted, that is a loss where you, you single out a player as the scapegoat for that loss. It is one player's fault more so than anybody else. And it happened to be Evan Engram who had a drop pass that turned it into an interception. And then he dropped, obviously, the, the third down pass, which would have basically ended the game, and he cost the Giants a win. But, I mean, they, they committed uh, about six penalties in the second half. The defense fell apart, so there was really everybody to blame. And uh, I think if you're the Giants, you're, again, you're, you're hoping for as many losses as possible at this point. Because even if you do win the NFC East or you get into the playoffs, I have a hard time believing they're not just going to get steamrolled in the first round anyway. Yeah, and like, what's the point? of the Giants winning this NFC East, at least with the Eagles and maybe not the Cowboys. Uh, if the, But if the Eagles win the NFC East, you can realistically draw a path for Carson Wentz and the Eagles if they happen to get healthy by the end of the season to give a run for whoever they face in the first round of the playoffs money, right? It seems like Carson Wentz and the Eagles put together fourth quarter uh, comebacks or performances that are worthwhile consistently and maybe it doesn't always lead to to wins as it didn't against the Ravens but all of a sudden it's like oh the Eagles are moving the ball Wentz is a gamer even if he makes the mistakes he's he's leaving it all on the field uh for my New York minute though I'm sticking with Daniel Jones specifically I know you wanted to call it Evan Ingram I know there's points where uh you know he needs help he needs his playmakers to make plays but I need Daniel Jones to lead a comeback win I need him to finish a drive in the end of a game it seems like there's quarterbacks all over the league, we just talked about Herbert. We talked about Joey Covers, Joe Burrow, who has less experience than, than Daniel Jones now. They're consistently making plays. They're consistently keeping their team uh, in games. And they're, they're scoring touchdowns. Like, it, it, it feels silly to say, but as a Giants fan, I'm watching this team every week, and I'm saying, I don't expect them to score touchdowns on basically any drive. It takes either a big hit to Slayton, or the rare time they have a sustained drive they actually get in the end zone, but there's no confidence in this team to consistently score points. And the Jets are getting to this point now, even though there is a lot of support for Darnold from Jets fans still, where they're saying, you know what, Trevor Lawrence, Darnold, we love you, we wronged you, we're, we're going to move on with T-Law, and that's what it is. 
where's the point for the Giants where we say Daniel Jones has been leading lackluster fourth quarter drives to the point where it's like, yo, maybe he's just not the guy. And, and it's tough to do that because of the injuries he has around him. Uh, the team isn't fantastic. It's it's new coaching. It's this and it's that. There's a point where the excuses have to go by the wayside and Daniel Jones needs to lead a freaking winning drive. And, and that's my thing. I don't care if the Giants win the division. I don't think they're going to get the number one pick now. So that part is almost out of my head. I need to see something for at the end of the year when we do our recap, we can say, yo, Daniel Jones against the Eagles, uh, against the Cowboys, against, uh, you know, the the Rams. Uh, obviously, they played the Rams already this season, but just to use a team as an example, that's not, you know, not the Chiefs, but they're a good team. Daniel Jones has to do something to to win a game where we say, yo, look at that game. Look at that drive. Look at that moment. And those things just don't exist right now for Daniel Jones. I'm starting to reach the point where, you know, Justin Fields is going to look like an opportunity uh, for the Giants to, to snag in the draft, right? And why should they not consider it other than the fact that Dave Gettleman will not, you know, reprise his decision to to reach on Daniel Jones and accept defeat and, and start from scratch. I don't know if Dave Gettleman's going to do that. So as a fan, I, I'm sitting here worried that we're going to be stuck with Daniel Jones for a couple more years and these lackluster last-minute performances will continue. Pete, you're not going to be stuck with Daniel Jones. I, I just I, I couldn't disagree more. I, I still think he has continued to progress. Um, you see, uh, again, I will reference it, the 21 miles an hour they clocked him at. He is uh, a lot hey. more of an athlete than people like to give him credit for. He uses his legs well. He's your best running back, honestly. Daniel Jones is your best running back, and he's playing under center. I don't so, I don't disagree with you, and he has talent, but that's the thing, bro. When When is that talent going to show up late? Or show up when it matters. Yeah, I mean, it's been it's been a lot of uh, you know oh so close losses for the Giants, and a lot of fourth dri- fourth quarter drives in the last couple minutes that come up with an interception on the last play, like we saw in Pittsburgh, like we saw against the Rams, like we saw against the Cowboys, uh, but the Bears. You know, again, every every game this year, bro, they had a chance. Yeah, yeah. like but you know, I, I just again, yeah, I, I, for me, and maybe I'm giving him maybe a little bit too much credit. But you consider the fact that, again, the Giants' offensive line and all the, uh, you know, the, the offensive line blocking stats, they've basically still been the worst in the NFL. So I think that has to be considered when he drops back to pass and he's got guys in his face within two, three seconds. Granted, he needs to get ball, rid of the ball sooner. He does. That's the one glaring weakness still. He holds on to the ball way too long. But I, I think the, the biggest bright side for the Giants fan is Daniel Jones. You, you seem to think the opposite. And maybe that's the thing where where a fan of the team looks at it a little differently than an uh, objective source, right? You're not a Giants fan. You don't particularly care yes or no uh, on how they do, right? You're kind of watching more unbiased. And maybe maybe that's what it is. And when I watch the Browns, I feel like I actually have a little bit of different look than than you might on on some things. I, I don't know. You, you're pretty good with your Browns coverage anyways. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Rock Odell, New York Minute. Maybe you could clarify the Daniel Jones stuff, but I'm sure you want to sound off on your Jets. So here's your New York Minute. Quicker than a New York Minute. Um, Listen, I think uh, Jones had a chance to win that game. The run was was spectacular. He tripped over the turf monster, got him. Um, He's been inconsistent. He's had some wows, and he's had some things that make you say, like, you're not consistent enough to be a playoff caliber quarterback in this league because that's what it ultimately comes down to. There's those 10, 12 guys that you know are going to be in the mix every year. Um, The Jets, wow. Daryl, Daryl Logan's 
starts the game off calling plays, looks good for the first 10, his script's over, they go in the gutter. It was a pitiful, pitiful game to only have four yards in the second half. How embarrassing. No, really. Four yards <laughs> in the half. How embarrassing. What are you what are you holding your hat on? I'll tell you one thing I'm holding my hat on, the left tackle. Yes. I can't I, I'm delegated to watching a rookie left tackle every play and see him smush people, which I'm very happy about. But um you know, I, I watched that game. I I would never root for them to lose, but I'm almost like, what a waste of a win. It's, you know, if they, like it, if, if the Jets won yesterday, it was the Bills giving them that game. That's where, that's how bad the Jets are. And that's where the Jets franchise is. And, uh, you know, it's a shame, but, you know, Donald's going to have to go. They're going to have to start from scratch. And, and it's, and Pete, you said the name, Justin Fields. I'm almost at the point, like, if we didn't get Trevor Lawrence, if we somehow found a way to win two games and the Jaguars or the Giants or, you know, another one-win team snuck up and, and got that first pick, we'd have to settle for fields. Right. And I, I, who knows if it's much of a settle. That guy looks like he's pretty freaking incredible. Uh, you know, a team uh, that seems to be trying to lose every week is the Atlanta Falcons, right? They found out even another way to lose this week. Uh, they scored a touchdown when they didn't mean to which is just something you don't say often, right? You know, oh, the Falcons scored by accident. That's the reason why they lost. Like, what? That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. But the Falcons have one win. They could be a team who moves off Matt Ryan and says, uh, yeah, we're looking for Trevor Lawrence. We're looking for Justin Fields. We're looking to start from scratch. And it's going to be that much harder to find the next guy, even if you do believe one of these guys is it. Trey Lance comes to mind as well as another top-tier quarterback at the moment. Um, that's good though. New York minute and then the Jets, man. I, I heard some some people say about Adam Gase that he's actually their best asset right now because he is what will <laughs> promise them the first overall pick in the draft. Absolutely. <laughs> and Pete, just to backtrack, man, because I don't. You obviously watch the Giants every week, and you know what you're watching, and you know what you're talking about. So I don't want you know. I just disagree with you in terms of a viewpoint and how to look at Daniel Jones and the future of this Giants team. Whereas I think it's easy as a fan to say, oh, you know what, one and six, here we go again. We still suck, you know, and, and Daniel Jones still is a strip sack waiting to happen on a lot of plays because he does hold on to the ball too long. But I think this is, you know, I'm looking at it objectively. You got to throw the wins, losses out of the, out of the, out of the, you know, rearview mirror at this point, because you're not going, you're not doing anything this year. And yeah, you want to build that culture of winning, but I, I, at least in terms of what I've seen, I still think that there is, you're, you're progressing. I think Joe Judge is your coach. Um, and again, you know, you look at it as compared to Rocco and the Jets fans. I mean, who's in it? Who's in it? I feel like if you're the Giants, you are in a much, much better position, even though you're basically only one game better. It's true. It's a good point. And I think where, where you're drawing some positives on Daniel Jones, I'm drawing positives on Judge and the defense because I see a consistent effort from the defense this year that we haven't seen with the Giants in years past, frankly, right? Since that first Ben McAdoo year where the Giants defense had that, you know, incredible run of turnovers and their turnover margin was awesome and that's why they won 11 games and Eli and Odell were kind of just keeping the offense afloat. This is the best defense at least since then and it's not saying that this defense is good but they actually compete and they actually try and you feel like they're going to keep you around. And I think part of what I'm seeing... Uh, is not only just about me watching the Giants. It's about watching some of these other young quarterbacks who are making plays, who are 
consistently putting their teams in opportunities to win. And I'm not saying Jones isn't doing it at all. I just feel like the confidence when I'm watching even Herbert or or Burrow to make a play late to not turn the ball over is there for me. And it's like frustrating when you see quarterbacks with even less experience doing it better than a guy who's been doing it for a year and a half now. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on Daniel Jones. I like Daniel Jones. I was I was somebody who before the season started said, I expect Sam Darnold and, and Daniel Jones to solidify themselves with New York franchise quarterbacks this year. Clearly, this season has gone a completely different way to the point we're having this conversation right now. So I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not trying to say I'm, I'm, I'm against you because I do hear your points, and maybe I'm just being a little harsh as a fan who hasn't seen their team put it together late in, in a minute. And I like a little, I like a little debate. You know what I'm saying? That's what yeah, it's all about. Love you. That's what it's all about. And, and you know what? We're going we're gonna to finish up here talking about uh, a game that includes, you know, tangentially at least, the Giants here, or, or uh, you know, secondarily, the Giants here. It's the Eagles versus Cowboys. And we can use this moment to talk about the Eagles. We can use it to talk about the Cowboys. Two abysmal teams and abysmal division it looks like the Eagles are now, uh, you know, in the driver's seat more so than they were a week ago. Who knows if Andy Dalton recovers from the concussion right away? Who knows if uh, Ben DiNucci or whoever they can pull off at the scrap heap can do uh, better than Andy Dalton because you don't have to do much to do better than he was doing recently. But the real issue with the Cowboys comes to Mike McCarthy, the coaching, and the overall energy that this team seems to not have. Rock, is there a world where you would justify cutting bait on McCarthy like this season? Or do you have to give him a full season? Because it's been ugly. Despite the Prescott injury, it's just ugly. They're going to give him this season, and I'm going to, it's going to piggyback with Adam Gase because, yeah, that's, that's just the way it goes in today's NFL that you need a guy with a little swag, a little, a little juice to get the, the players and, there was bad turmoil prior in in uh, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. So he sat that year out and they said he did, he did all this homework. And he went to pro football talk and learned about the PFF ratings and took a course in Excel and became a better coach. And at the end of the day, <laughs> no, he did. I know, and at the end funny. of the day, you can't connect with today's players. That's just the reality of the scheme. So, you know, look, I want to work for Peter Kennedy. I'm going to show up every time on Mondays, unlike Chris Mule. I'm going to be here. <laughs> I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to miss my chance to talk on the radio on Subway Sports Talk. Um, I want to play for the guy in charge. I don't know that they want to play for this guy. I mean, he don't, he, I don't want to call him a dead battery, but his battery ain't, ain't revolving and, and it, it doesn't have a ton of energy like some of these coaches today. And it really it, le- it lends to the question of what was happening in Green Bay, right? If you want to go back and think about what happened there, Aaron Rodgers was basically showing his disgust with play calling or schemes by throwing the ball, way, ball away as much as he did over the past couple seasons with McCarthy, right? It was, it was almost laughable to see Rodgers on the sidelines just be looking dead in the eyes saying, what are we doing right now? But you might as well just let Aaron Rodgers call the play, be the whole playbook himself. He'll just call everything from the line of scrimmage because there was no juice. And that's what made me think about McCarthy as this hire. I'm like, 
yeah, I get it. And then it came out that all this stuff about PFF and analytics that he, you know, grinded on every day why he didn't have a job for a year wasn't even all true. And he he literally said that he exaggerated to make it sound better in the job in the job interview. That's not good. And, and we're just talking about Dave Gettleman as a guy who doesn't seem like somebody who will move off a mistake very quickly. We know that Jerry Jones will not move off a mistake very quickly. And that makes me nervous. I'm a Cowboys fan saying, all right, this team hates Mike McCarthy already. And we have an owner who doesn't like to say that he's wrong, doesn't like to cut bait. And we might be stuck with McCarthy for another, uh, or like half of Jason Garrett's tenure. I think you're signing up for Jason Garrett again. At least he had a, a, a consistent energy where Cowboys, despite some of their shortcomings, were were in it every year, and they had one of the best O-lines in the league. And granted, their injuries are tough. It is just, it's it's abysmal. And to score three points, and maybe I'm a, I'm a little biased here because I had the Cowboys in a super teaser. And if you don't know what a super teaser is, that's 13 points added to the spread, which had the Cowboys at plus 14. I'm like, all right, come on. You know, the Cowboys aren't going to cover two touchdowns against the Redskins. Like, let's be realistic. And then I watched that game, and I'm like, holy hell. They might not even score a touchdown. They're pathetic. So, I don't know. But that leads me to this next question, Pat. You have not been an Eagles supporter or advocate of their uh, success or lack thereof lately. Can you even say that this is the Eagles division? Or like, Can you even say that someone else is going to win this division, or is the Eagles going to somehow limp there with six wins or some crazy shit? At this point, Roger Goodell needs to step in and he goes and he needs to say, you know what? We're taking away the playoff rights from the NFC East. <laughs> it, it's officially that bad. I was buying into the Cowboys. I said, even with no Dak, even with a depleted offensive line, they still have the weapons They and, and a historically bad defense. Boy, could I have not been more wrong. I mean, I, I don't even like the Cowboys and I can't believe I was putting that much faith in them. And now we're looking at primetime football on back-to-back nights where we've got three out of the four teams in the NFC East in primetime television, as if we didn't eat, as if we haven't slandered the NFC least enough. Now we've got to have more eyeballs watching the division on Sunday night with the Cowboys and the Eagles and what a slop show game that'll be. And then Monday night with the Giants, uh, who honestly looking at 10 point underdogs, I wouldn't be surprised if they covered, but I don't think there's any chance in hell they beat Brady and the Bucks. Um, but yeah, I think just by default, you have to say that the Eagles are the favorite in this division. Um, as bad as they've been, as much as I dislike them, and I don't think Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the future for them, and you and I have gone at that, gone at it before, a win like they had on Thursday night could be the type of win that you see propels a team to go on a bit of a run, where obviously now you see who Dallas has become. The Eagles should win that game on Sunday night, and they should be 3-4-1, and one going into week nine or going into yeah whatever week, what the hell we're going into. So uh, yeah, again, I think if the Eagles win that game on Sunday night, they have further cemented themselves as now, I guess you can say the favorite. I think you call it the least worst, right? The least, the yeah, yes. They're the least worst team in the division. Yeah, that, it is that bad. Oh um, gosh. Cause the Cowboys now we're going to see uh, Ben DiNucci probably in primetime football. I doubt Dalton's going to be okay. Um, hell, Kellen Moore should they take can't off the start head- this guy. Kellen Moore should take <laughs> off the headset and play and put the pads on. Yeah, he's, he's got to be a better quarterback than Ben DiNucci. T- Tony on. Romo, pull him off the CBS uh, <laughs> broadcast Get team. Romo out of the broadcast. No, they booth. can't. They got to go with somebody else. There's no way. I, I, dude, no, he's going to get killed because again, <laughs> the, the starting, the offensive line is 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 terrible. The Eagles' defense, Eagles' front seven is oh at least somewhat God. respectable. 
Um, and it's like calling up a, fre- a freshman in high school who's played only like four games in his career at quarterback to start on varsity. You know, Ben DiNucci, like, the only reason I even know who Ben DiNucci is is because in one of my fantasy drafts in Madden, you know, I simmed the final, like, 10 rounds, and they drafted a third-string quarterback for me for some reason, and it was Ben DiNucci. He's, like, a 52 overall. I'm like, Ben DiNucci? What's go- what do we got going on over here? Like, this is not it. There's got to be some guys on the scrap heap who who can do something a little better, and I'm sure, obviously, if Dalton um, is, is unable to suit up, they're going to have to have a backup, and that means that, to me, that that backup's probably going to be getting in at some point. Because the one thing, you know what the Eagles do? If you want to give them some bit of credit, they do get after the quarterback a little bit. That's like kind of the only thing that they, they do pretty consistently right now. I, I mean, I think they're as close to a lock as you can say for this division with the Eagles, right? But something I didn't say I wanted to mention real quick before we end up. The Seahawks. Kevin Clark had a famous tweet. I don't know if you guys know Kevin Clark from The Ringer. Uh, great writer, podcast host. Awesome. He had a tweet in 2019, and it was very simple. It said, the Seahawks have literally never played a normal game. And, and it's true. The Seahawks are always in these wild games. They're, they're fourth-quarter comebacks. They're almost collapses with heroics at the end. It's just madness. Every single time the Seahawks suit up for a football game, it's madness. It happened again Sunday night. I think the Eagles are in contention for a very similar uh, award there. It seems like no matter what happens with the Eagles games, if they're better than the team, if they're way worse than the team, somehow Carson Wentz is in it at the end. It may not always go his way, but you look at the team and they never play a normal game. They have Fulgham and Greg Ward running out there as their top two receivers. Their third string tight end, Richard Rodgers. Boston Scott, backup running Love back. Boston Scott. Boston Scott, you know, great fantasy play this week for anybody who started him. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia, but somehow, some way. They play these ridiculous games, and I see it happening again, which is why I, in my head I'm like, oh, you know, perfect time. Everyone's saying the Eagles are locked for the NFC East. The Cowboys all of a sudden are going to come out and play a great game. But no, I don't know if that's going to happen. But somehow, some way, Wentz will be playing a meaningful drive at the end of this game somehow. I don't know. I don't know what it is. The Eagles and the Seahawks, they just can't do anything normal. It's only ridiculousness. <laughs> we're in for they love the fourth quarter. Yeah. If, if Carson once played every drive, like it was the last, I mean, you know, we might, we, we might see him, you know, carted off the, off the field because he plays so hard, but you know, he plays his best football then too. I don't know, but subway sports talk. This is a good one. As always, Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Puri. Great stuff out of you guys. Can't wait to have Chris Mule back on. I'm almost not that I wasn't excited for this week, but I'm, I'm like already looking to next week for the excitement, to watch Tua, to watch the Dolphins, to hear Mule talk. I don't know if I want Tua to look sick, so Mule's blowing his load on the podcast, or if he looks terrible, he'll be crying on the podcast. Either way, it's going to be great fun. Uh, But as we always do on Subway Sports Talk, it's time for last words. It could be football. It could be non-football. It could be non-sports. It doesn't even matter. But Pat Boyle, last words for Subway Sports Talk. Yeah, game of the week, in my opinion. Obviously, Steelers-Ravens, 1 o'clock. Um, at this point, I don't know why we haven't flexed the Cowboys-Eagles game the hell out of primetime television so we can all see a real football game uh, between Steelers and the Ravens. But that one's going to be great as well. That's going to answer a bunch of more questions that everybody has. Who is the top team in the AFC North? Who is still second right underneath Kansas City? I think Pittsburgh goes into M&T Bank Stadium. I think they shut down Lamar Jackson. You know, that'll bring all the circus up of, again, of, oh, is Lamar Jackson just a system quarterback? 
but I think the Steelers defense is really just that damn good. And I think they shut down Baltimore. I think they stay undefeated. Still the only team. I think they get to seven and oh. Great stuff. Uh, so on your picks last week, you did two picks in your last words. I like this, that you're kind of doing a little pick action in your last words here. So you were yeah, okay. one and one with your last words picks. Maybe, we'll, yes. Pat, I'm, I'm still saying you and I might have to get on, uh, you know, either a Sunday morning or a Friday afternoon to record a picks pod. Just straight up yep. gambling. I think I think we do. We, I, I mean, but, I, we said it last week, but I think it really needs to happen this week. And now baseball is going to end. Basketball's weeks away from the draft. So I think this might be the week to, to, to let it rip. Let's, let's do it. So I'll go Pittsburgh plus three and a half. And you know what? It's a lot of points for a team that I think has played a lot of close games and a team that everybody knows uh, pretty well that listens to this podcast, the Giants. I would take the 10. I would take the 10 points against Tampa Bay. I think this game stylistically can match up in the Giants' oh, favor um, if they can if they can slow down the Buccaneers' offense even a little bit. Because as, as good as the Buccaneers' pass rush is, I still think uh, it leaves a little bit to be desired. I think the Giants can score a little bit of points like they did with Dallas. I think they can cover the 10. So oh, wow. I'll take the Steelers to cover, and I would take them to win. I'll take the Giants to cover the 10. It's a lot of points. How about it? I love that. Rocco Del Piri, last words. M- most of you guys, you, you want to listen to RJ Bell? To the betters guide, <laughs> you want to talk, you know, this guy's got these picks. I pay this. You listen to Pat Boyle and Peter Kennedy. Yeah, baby. You take their picks. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear the picks podcast because I get, guess what? I'm in on everything except for the Giants <laughs> plus 10 against the Bucks. Petey's going to eat his words. Oh, my God. Oh, Pat. Tom Brady's dying to shred the Giants. Oh, that's true. Oh, it's a for, it's, it's a forever revenge game for Tom Brady versus the Giants. Big time, but it's it's always fun on the podcast. Mules drinking milk. He missed out <laughs> his loss. Can't wait to have him back. Patty Boy LMP killing it. It's always fun. Thank you, boys. Absolutely, and I think I need to put in part of my last words is uh, I did get a text from Mule before we started recording, and he told me make sure you get this one shot in at Dell. I'm pretty sure he said. You're, you're Derek Henry. You're either on the train or you're on the tracks. He's going to be running through the whole AFC, uh, whole AFC, and then the Steelers shut him down. So, Rock, a little bit of a bad beef for you there. That's maybe why you got to listen to Patty Boyle. I don't know. But Mule wanted me to remind you of that. But I don't, Derek Henry, you know, best running back in football is, is a term that is going next to his name right now. So I'm still with you on that. Uh, my last words, my last words go out to super teasers. And... They're something that I don't think everyone's familiar with. So just to explain, I just mentioned it before. You'd go, you go four teams and you get 13 extra points on the spread. It's a super teaser. They're called teasers for a reason. If you're familiar with betting, you're familiar with the phrase parlays are for suckers. You should now be familiar with they're called teasers for a reason because they're teasing you. I should be disallowed to do teasers for the rest of the season. I mean, granted, if, you, if you're going straight off odds, I'm bound to flip to a positive soon. But for some reason, I have just been completely off on one of my teaser picks every single week. I am now 1-6 and six on teasers this year. 1-6, and six, Pat Boyle. That's terrible. They're, they're too good to be true, dude. Dude, there's one, oh my if there's, God. You can, get, you can nail three games. You get one dead wrong, you're, you're done. I know. And, and that's what happens usually most of the time. This week it was the Cowboys. They couldn't cover 14 versus the friggin' football team. Last week it was the Patriots. They couldn't cover six uh, against, who were they playing? 
They lost. Didn't Denver. they lose? Denver. Denver. No, no. The week before that, I forget. I don't even. I I blocked it out of my memory. I just. I don't know if I deserve the right to click teaser on my sports betting app anymore. I think I lost privilege, and I might have to restrain myself from doing it again. Yet, talk to me on Sunday for the super teaser of the week. <laughs> but then also, I do want to say this about betting because uh, now that you got it in my head, I tweeted this the other night. Can can Pat? Can you actually somehow find a way to log into my account and just don't even put the Cowboys Eagles game in my book? I don't even want to know what the spread is. I don't want to bet it because no matter what, I think I'm going to be disappointed. I, we, I like we're the kind of e- bleeding. We're kind of bleeding into our our picks podcast that we're going to do here. Oh, no. A teaser that I that I like. Okay. And I think I don't know if you if you know this. Um, you can get for the most part, six to seven points on the spread and six to seven points on the over-under in, 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 in the game itself. So just like tonight on Monday Night Football, like when we're recording, you had the, the Rams were a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under was 44-and-a-half. I got that to Rams pick them and, and got the over-under to 52. And you went under 52. So if, you th- if you think, if you're pretty confident on one game and you're like, you know what, this team's going to, you know, if they're a four-and-a-half, five-and-a-half-point favorite, you're like, you know what, they might be close, but I don't see them ever losing. And I think there's going to be a lot of points. I don't know about the actual over, but I know it's definitely going to go over seven points below that. That's that might be the teaser for you, Petey. You know what? I'm just saying, and, and we'll have to we'll have to flesh this out uh, later in the week when we do a, a more full discussion here. But there's just no way betting on Cowboys and Eagles is going to be a rewarding experience. I just can't I mean, imagine you got it. problems. You got problems if you're gonna. Oh, I mean, I'm still. <laughs> what, what happens though when it's a prime time game? You know, you either have a good Sunday during the day and you go, oh, well, I got some money to play with. Let's ride. Or you have a a a not so good Sunday (laughs) and you throw the Hail Mary and you take the the Eagles alternate spread, you know, minus 12. I don't know. I'm just kidding. I would never do that. But call the hotline. You know, you you just (laughs) it's frustrating. And to, to bet on the Cowboys, to bet on the Eagles is terrifying at this point in time. So I'm just trying to. Get somebody to go into my DraftKings and just and just remove it. Just remove it from my book. That's all I want. Get the cool the cool off option. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff as always. Subway Sports Talk for Pat Boyle for Rocco Del Piri. I'm Pete Kennedy. As always, subscribe, rate, review. Tell your friends. Got some feedback on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk on Twitter at Subway Sports TLK. I appreciate. Uh, shout out to Carmine to tell. I think uh, I don't know Rock. You know him or not? But foul guy. He hit me up. He said he really been enjoying the pod lately, and uh, I said it to him. In, in text, I said, dude, you don't even know what that means. Like, that's awesome to hear. We're trying to have fun. We're trying to be consistent. We're trying to do it right here. So when somebody hits me up and takes a moment out of their day to say, yo, I've been liking what you're doing, that's everything. That's everything right there. So appreciate you, every single one of you who listen, who click on it, who like the Instagrams, who like the tweets, all that stuff. Shouts to all of you. I'm Pete Kennedy for Pat, for Rock, Subway Sports Talk, baby. Have a good one.